When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode 14 of season 4 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. Harry Einstein was famous as the character Nick Parkia Carcass a Greek comic character on the Eddie Cantor and Al Jolson radio programs. He appeared in 11 films as Parkia Carcass from 1936 to 1945, and the success led to his own radio show, Meet Me at Parkies. It ran from 1943 to 1947 on NBC, and later on Mutual. Einstein wrote the scripts himself, and the cast consisted of Einstein as the owner of a Greek restaurant, Parkies, and his staff played by Elliot Lewis, Betty Rhodes, and Sheldon Leonard. Rhodes provided most of the singing on the musical numbers. The show was sponsored by Old Gold Cigarettes through most of its run. Now sit back and enjoy the July 8th and the July 15th, 1945 broadcasts of Meet Me at Parkies. From Hollywood, California, the makers of Old Gold Cigarettes bring you Meet Me at Parkies. <laughs> Everybody meets at Parkies, so come along to Parkies Restaurant. Say hello to Obie Cates and his orchestra, David Street, Prudence Rockbottom, Betty Rose, and our genial host, Park Your Carcass. Boy, am I tired. No wonder I've been breathing all day. And I got so much to do, I've been so busy getting ready for my engagement party here tonight. Besides that, I got to pay all my bills, I got to make up my food order, and I got so many letters to write. And my behind in my Paris condoms. <laughs> I just got to write a letter to my mother and tell her what they're making me to get engaged to that ugly old Prudence rock bottom, or else I'll lose my restaurant. Uh, might as well write it now and get it over with. Mrs. Parkiakakis. Coma. <laughs> New York. Semi question mark. <laughs> you know, you got to put in those puncture marks. <laughs> NY, explanation point. <laughs> Dear Mrs. Pakiakakis, gentlemen. <laughs> period. How do you like that? I got the period upside down. Dear Mother, Mother is M-U-D-D-E-R. <laughs> Don't look right to me. I know there's an H in Mother somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's better. M-U-D-D-E-R-H. <laughs> that's all the news for now. <laughs> we'll write you more by mail. <laughs> With my best garage. <laughs> Your loving son, Parky. Hello, Parky. Oh, hello, Betty Rhodes. Parky, you still writing to your mother? You started to write that letter last night. Why are you so slow? Gotta write slow. My mother can't read fast. <laughs> now, I'm writing to tell her what I'm being forced to get engaged to that Prudence Rock button. I'm writing her so she'll be surprised. Well, if you're writing her, where's the surprise? She don't know I can write. <laughs> Say, I thought you was bringing David Street over here with you to help us uh, get ready for the party tonight. Well, he'll be here real soon. I left him at the newspaper office finishing his column. You know, Betty, it must be a funny thing making love to a newspaper man. Funny? Yeah, when an ordinary fella goes out with a girl, he says, how's about the kiss? Well, I suppose a newspaper man says, let's go to press. 
long as I'm his latest edition. <laughs> you know, Betty, I am very much interested in newspapers. Tell you the truth, at one time I was thinking about buying the Los Angeles Times. You were? Yes, sir. Well, where would you get all that money to buy the Los Angeles Times? Oh, what money? Only cost a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> would you please watch the cash register for a few minutes? I've got a lot of work to do. Okay. You and a beautiful girl that Betty is. Nice looking, too. <laughs> Besides that, she's pretty. <laughs> Oh, it's David Smith. Hello, Dave. Hello, Parky. Well, how's the great Romeo, and how's your fair Juliet Prudence Rockbottom? You know, the whole town's buzzing about your engagement party here tonight. Oh, David, I don't want to get married to Prudence. I want to have some fun out of my childhood. <laughs> I want to play with my trains on the floor and sail my boats in the bathtub. I want to play ball and break windows and steal apples. David, at heart, I'm still a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> But, Parky, it's just that you don't understand love. If you knew how beautiful love could be. Did you ever get a good look at Prudence Rockbottom? <laughs> yeah, but beauty is only skin deep. Yeah, but the trouble is she's all skin. <laughs> Parky, your attitude is all wrong. Let me teach you how to make love. Let me coach you how to be romantic. Okay, coach. Now, let's begin. All right. I'll be the boy, and you be the girl. It's too late. <laughs> We'll just pretend. Oh, pretend, yeah. yeah. Now, we're in the park. In the park. It's a beautiful moonlight night. Yes. A night that was made for love. Yes. I can see us now, walking alone, side by side. And I turn and gently lift my hand. For me to kiss? No, to wave to our sailor. <laughs> there aren't any sailors here. What kind of a park is this? Never mind that. <laughs> now, as we're walking alone... Yes. Everything is serene. A fine park without no sailors. <laughs> Quiet. Now, we sit down on a bench. I look at you. Yes. You look at me. We're both embarrassed. Understand? Yeah, we didn't see the fresh paint sign. <laughs> Forget about the paint. Yeah, I got an old dress on anyways. <laughs> an old dress. Look, you're sitting there, and you're terribly in love. Oh, I'm just infatuated with you. <laughs> That's right. Now I look at you. Yes. Now I move closer and closer. And then I whisper in your ear. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? My slip is showing? <laughs> Will you be quiet? Go ahead, strike me, you big bully, strike me. Go ahead. Oh, if I was only a man. Wait a minute, I am a man, ain't I? Oh, Parky, it's, it's no use. You'll never learn how to make oh, love. Oh, David, it's only that nobody never explained it to me. It's the simplest thing in the world. All nature expresses what I'm trying to tell you. Come on over to the window here. Yes. Look. Look at that tree across the street. You see those two squirrels? Notice how slowly they approach each other, and one little squirrel turns its head, and the other little squirrel comes over, and they look into each other's eyes. I see. And they get closer and closer. Oh. Then they rub noses. That's all there is to it? That's all. <laughs> Why didn't you say so? Now I understand life, and I can't wait. To make love to Prudence Rock Bottom? No, to kiss a squirrel. <laughs> oh, don't mind me, David. I'm just down in the dumps. Would do me a lot of good if you would sing a song for me. You know that? Okay, Parky. You know, this is George Gershwin's Jubilee Week. And in tribute to his memory, I'd like to sing the last song he wrote. You can't take that away from me. Oh. <laughs> Take that away from me. 
We may never, never meet again On a bumpy road to love Still I'll always, always Keep the memory of The way you hold your knife way we dance till free The way you've changed my life No, no, they can't take that away from me No, they can't take that away from me We may never, never meet again on the bumpy road to love. Still, I'll always, always keep the memory of the way you hold your knife and the way we dance to free. Change my life. No, no, they can't take that away from me. No, you're bound to see. They can't take that away from me. David, you know something, honestly? You sing as good as those guys on the radio. <laughs> Say, pardon me, Parky. I don't like to bother you, but... Well, I've been sitting here for quite a while, and I know you're busy, but I'm getting a little hungry, and I'd like to order something. Well, I'm surprised that you, you are talking to me so nice, just like a human being. <laughs> Everybody else is always yelling and banging on the table. So after all, I only got two pair of hands. <laughs> Imagine, Mr. Lorillard. Oh. oh, hi, Betty. <laughs> oh, Bob. See, Parky, I'm all excited about your engagement party tonight. Do you like the way I decorated the restaurant? I hope you planned a good dinner. Yes, and believe me, never again what trombola I had to go to. All day long, standing over a hot stove. My dishes was rattling, my skillets was banging, my plates was clattering, and all day long, my pans kept falling down. <laughs> Did you cook the turkey and how'd it come out? Look, Betty, next time, please let me cook the turkey my own way. Don't get me no fancy cookbooks to go by. Well, what's the matter with the cookbook I gave you? Well, it said put the turkey over an open fire and keep turning for three hours. Did I get dizzy? <laughs> Hello, Opie. Hi, Betty. Hi, Parky. Hello, Opie. What's a good one? I'm hungry. What time do we eat? Well, it won't be long now. And remember, Opie, when we go to the table, you take Miss Rockbottom's arm. Oh, I'm not that hungry. <laughs> so will you excuse me, kids? I got to go and put the pants on the lamb chops. How do you like that? And those lamb chops are old enough to dress themselves. <laughs> okay, Parky, come on, Opie. You can help me. We've still got a lot of work to do to get ready for the party, so take off your coat and give me a hand, will you? Oh, I'd be glad to do it, Betty, but I'm awful tired. Well, why are you so tired? Do you stay up late? No, but I have to get up so doggone early every morning. Well, what for? You don't come over to the restaurant here until late in the afternoon. I know, but I got to be up in time to ride from my house over to the shipyard every morning. What shipyard? I don't know. <laughs> Are you working in a shipyard now? No, I ain't working in the shipyard. Well, why do you go over there every day then? Well, you see, I wanted to save on gas, so I joined the carpool, and that's where the car goes. Oh, for heaven's sake, you don't mean to tell me if that you're stupid. If I ain't out enough. on that curb every morning at 6 o'clock, old Clyde starts honking his horn. Oh, do you mean to stand there and tell Clyde me that you're... Clyde is the that owns the car. Well, that's nice. <laughs> But you don't mean to tell me well, that you actually... Well, full name is Clyde Park. I don't care what it is. He's got brown eyes. <laughs> oh, 
Toby, you don't really get up at six o'clock and ride someplace you're not going to, do you? No, I don't get up at six. Oh, that's better. I get up at 430. <laughs> 4.30? Sure, it takes time to go to the library and pick me out a book to read. What do you need a book for? Well, I get awful monotonous standing around that plant all day with nothing to do. <laughs> Do you mean to tell me that you wait there all day long? Well, I did at first, but I kind of gave that up. Well, I'm glad to hear that. About the best I can do now is stick it out until a little after lunch, and then I go on home on the bus. It ain't so bad, though. I only have to change twice and then walk about a half a mile. <laughs> well, that makes a nice restful trip of it. What do you do when you get home? Oh, I get me some sleep then. Well, that's sensible. You won't tell Clyde I do that, though, will you? Clyde, I don't even know Clyde. Well, I wouldn't want the other fellas in the carpool to think I wasn't playing fair with them. <laughs> well, I'll gladly keep that quiet. Anything to see that you get home in the afternoon and get some sleep. Yeah, but I always got to get right up again, though. Well, why is that? Because I got to be back at the plant before 30 to ride back home with the fellas. <laughs> Wait a minute, this is where I came in. Opie, why don't you and the boys run over the number you're going to play at the party? I'd really love to hear it. Okay, but I sure do hope we eat pretty soon. I'm getting so hungry and weak, I can hardly lift my clarinet. Opie Cates' clarinet and his orchestra continue our salute to George Gershwin playing I Got Rhythm. Rockbottom, you know everybody. David, Opie, and Bob. Parky, Miss Rockbottom's here. Oh, hello, Freddy. Oh, my darling. <laughs> well, Parky dear, why don't you give me a nice greeting? Haven't you something nice for me? After all, we are almost engaged. Oh, sure, I got you something nice. It's a surprise. That's your beautiful Kasagi. <laughs> Kosagi. Oh, Parky, darling, it isn't Kosagi, it's Kosagi. A-D-E is pronounced odd, as in garage. Oh, they're beautiful. Where did you get them? From the man who collects the gabas. (laughs) 
Oh, well, here, sit down next to me. And now tell me the things I want to hear. Okay. Did you know that the Loyalot business started in 1760? <laughs> Did you ever bet on Paul Revere's horse? Oh, you don't care about me. If I didn't own this building and didn't threaten to make you move, you wouldn't even look at me. Oh, sure I would. Look, look, I'm looking at you. Who? <laughs> oh, Parky, my sweet, I can't wait until after we're married so I can come in here and take charge of the restaurant. But there's so many changes I want to make. Oh, but Miss Rockbottom, Parky's been here for 18 years and all of us just love the way the restaurant is now. We don't want to change anything. But I do. I'm even going to change the way Parky dresses. Instead of going around here wearing a chef's cap and apron, I'm going to have him wear evening clothes. Evening clothes? Yes. For generations, all of the men in my family wore tails. Must have come in handy when they were climbing trees. <laughs> Let's not argue, darling. Hold me in your arms. Kiss me. Kiss me. Saved by the bell. <laughs> Folks, I want to welcome you all to Parky's and Miss Rockbottom's engagement party. We've arranged a little entertainment for you. Come on, Betty. Sing George Gershwin's famous Embraceable You. Embrace me, my sweet embrace for you. Burton, 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 and Burton. 
many Bretons did I say there? Nine. I should have only said eight. We bought one out last week. Uh, are you Mr. Parky Carcass? Yes. Well, this will interest you. The former owner of this building, Mr. J.Z. Zintarpathantat, Jr., deceased. Left a clause in his real estate that whoever buys the building cannot evict Mr. Parky Cockles, who's been a very desirable tenant for 18 years. You mean Parky doesn't have to marry Miss Rockbottom to stay in the building? Nobody can put him out? Nobody. Parky, that's wonderful news. Gee, Betty, that means I'm not going to get married. I'm a free man. Boy, what a story for my column. I can see the headline now. Parky's love hits rock bottom. Gee, <laughs> Sam, so well, Mr. Parky Cockles, I'm going to sue you for breach of promise. I'll teach you to guilt me. I'll sue you later. The next time we meet will be in court. Poor Parky, everything seems to happen to you, doesn't it? Yes, Betty. I bet I'm the first man who ever got divorced before he got married. And so ends the third episode of Meet Me at Parky, where the further adventures of Parky Carcass, David Street, Betty Rose, Prudence Rockbottom, and Opie Case and his orchestra, tune in again next Sunday, same time, same station. Is it a date? Okay, meet me at Parky. Yes, everybody meets at Parky's, so come along to Parky's restaurant and say hello to Betty Rose, Opie Case in this orchestra, David Street, and our genial host, the star of our show, Parky Carcass. Boy, am I glad I didn't have to get married to that Prudence Rockbottom. How could I marry her? After all, my uncle married my aunt. And my father married my mother. Why should I marry a total stranger? <laughs> well, love will always be a problem as long as you got men and women. Because when you got men and women, you got two different janitors. Muscular and feminine. <laughs> Muscular, that's the man. Feminine, that's the woman. Till he gets married, then the man is feminine and the woman becomes muscular. <laughs> eh, might as well forget about prudence. Now the excitement is over, I'm got to take it easy and just relapse. Uh, I think I'll work on my crossword puzzle a little bit. I love crossword puzzles. Been working on this one for seven years. <laughs> Only need three more letters to get the first word finished. <laughs> it's a three-letter word. I think I'll try this word over here. It says number six, horizontal. Let's see. It says here, feline. A four-legged animal that says meow. Five letters. Feline, meow. That's a hard one. Five letters. I got it. It's cat. K-I-T-T-Y pussy. <laughs> now, the next word has got six letters. I got a dandy seven-letter word. Wish I could use it here. As long as nobody's looking, I'll squeeze it in. Hello, Parky. Oh, hello, Betty Rose. <laughs> Are you still working on that crossword puzzle? Yeah, I'm stuck on this word up here. This is uh, a fruit that was eaten by Adam in the Garden of Eden. Oh, that's easy. Easy? That's easy? Why? Don't fit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 Parky. What Adam ate in the Garden of Eden was an apple. Oh, sure. Apple, let's see now. Apple is uh, B-A... Hey, wait a minute. Apple starts with B? Baked apple? (laughs) (laughs) Parky, you're really cute. (laughs) I don't think you can even spell baked apple. Who couldn't? Okay, let me hear you spell baked apple. With or without cream. What's the difference? Five cents. How do you do, sir? Are you uh, Parky Carcass? I'd like to speak to you. My name is Pike. Okay, Pike, speak. 
I, uh, I am from the last national bank. I see. Yes, we are holding your note, which is overdue. It's for $1,000, and they sent me over to collect it. Oh, but the people at the bank never bother parking for that $1,000. Why, they renewed that note for many years. That's right. Ah, uh, yes, yes, but the bank is under new management now, and they want this note paid immediately. That note is protected by a mortgage on this restaurant, and they sent me over either to get the $1,000 or foreclose on the restaurant. Hey, just one minute, mister. I'll pay you the money as soon as I collect what the customers owes me for food. Yeah, but, Parky, I went over the books. Nobody owes you that much money for food. Hold on. There's one fellow alone by the name of Jones who owes me $1,945. Here, I'll show you the books. There it is right in the top of the page. You can see it. Jones 8, $1,945. Right hey, let me see that. Yeah. Jones 8, $1,945. Yes. Parky, that's the date, June 8, 1945. <laughs> I was wondering... I was wondering how one man could eat so much food. Mr. Pike, can't we possibly get an extension on the note? The bank will get their money, I promise. No, 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 we can't give her any extensions. The bank needs that money for something very important. This is the time of the year when we have to place our order for the 1946 calendars. Well, I meant to ask you about your calendars. Why do they have a picture of a man standing behind prison bars in a convict's uniform? Oh, that. Oh, well, that's a picture of one of our customers. <laughs> yes, he owed us $55, and he didn't pay when it was due. <laughs> that reminds me, uh, have you got a picture of yourself? We may have to use it on next year's calendar. <laughs> I got a picture just of my head, but it ain't developed yet. <laughs> Mr. Pike, won't you please give us a chance to raise the money? Give us three more weeks. Just 21 days, please. Yeah, 21 days. 21 days, eh? Okay. 30 days, half September, April, June, and November. All the rest of 31, except you, Parky Carcass, you have 21. (laughs) (laughs) Betty, where am I going to get $1,000 in 21 days? I got more trouble than anybody else in the world. Look at me. All these years, I worked my head to the bone. All my life, I've been so unfortunate, I never get a break. I even remember when I was a little boy, I never even got enough to eat. I was so thin, Betty, my ribs used to stick out. That wasn't bad enough, but every Monday, my mother used to use me for a washboard. (laughs) Poor Parky, something will turn up, I'm sure. Here, I learned a new song. It's called The More I See You. Let me sing it for you. Maybe it'll help cheer you up. I'm sure it will.
Betty, if I ever get a lot of money, I'm going to pay you a big salary just to have you sing to me all day long. Oh, it's David Street and Bob Williams. Hiya, fellas. Hi, Betty. Hi, Parky. What's cooking? What's cooking? What to be cooking? Can't get meat, I can't get fish. Can't get chicken, can't get turkey, can't get butter, and you can't get bacon. You know what's cooking? Hot water. I call it soup. <laughs> that's, that's what's cooking. Parky, I've just got an idea how to raise you $1,000. Yeah? Just as I was leaving the newspaper office, our society editor was talking to the rich Mrs. Van der Peister, and she was telling him that she was going to throw a great big party, very swanky affair. Why don't you get the job catering it? Oh, I heard about that party. Her daughter's coming out. Coming out? What was she in for? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Parky, you don't understand. Mrs. Van der Peister is the leader of society. But she? She belongs to the horsey set. Her father was a big breeder in Kentucky. Sure was. My uncle was a very big breeder, too. He died last year. What was the matter with him? Stop breeding. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you, Parky... What? ...is that Mrs. Vanderpeister is in Who's Who. Who's what? Who's Who. What's that? It's a book. Well, that's that. <laughs> Parky, I've just been figuring. Yeah. You can furnish the food and the entertainment for the party for $2,000. The whole thing shouldn't cost you over 1000 and you'll make a $1,000 profit. Then you'll be able to pay the bank. Yes. Oh, gee, that's wonderful. Opie and his boys will play for the dancing, and David and I'll sing. You might have a slight additional expense for the orchestra because the musicians will have to hire tuxedos. Tuxedos? Why do they have to come in tuxedos? Why can't they take a streetcar? <laughs> Hi, David. Hi, Parky. Hi, Hello. Hi, Opie. Say, Parky, that customer over there is calling you. Looks like he's very impatient. Why should he be impatient? I only took his order four hours ago. <laughs> I'll be right back. Say, Opie, you're just in time. We're going to have a big job for you in your orchestra. A job? I don't want no job. But, Opie, it's a chance for us to make some money. Oh, I can't afford to take no job. Well, why not? I'll lose my unemployment insurance. <laughs> Well, it seems to me that the people down at the unemployment insurance place would insist that you go out and get a job. Oh, they tried to get me a job. They wanted to send me over to Pomona to dig potatoes. Well, what happened? I told them to get the fellow that planted them. He knows where they are. <laughs> Opie, look, if Parky doesn't raise $1,000 in 21 days, the bank is going to foreclose on the restaurant. They are? What bank? The last national bank. The last national? Well, if they do that, I'll take all of my business away from them. All of what business? For the past seven years, I've been going over there regularly, twice a week, to fill my fountain den. <laughs> Opie, you can't let us down. You'll just have to play at this affair. Besides, it'll be good publicity for you. That's right, Opie. This affair will make you famous, and you'll start to make a lot of money. Maybe a million dollars. A million dollars? What in the world could I do with a million dollars now? I don't need no million dollars. Betty, could you let me have 40 cents? I want to get my laundry out. <laughs> Opie, you will play the affair for Parky, won't you? He's been so good to you. And besides, it'll mean a lot to me. Oh, you're crazy about the David Street. I thought you cared just a little bit for me. Betty, you remember the last time we went to the movies and I held your hand? What? Yes, it was thrilling. And you know it'd been even better if we were sitting next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'll never forget the first date we had. You brought me a little gift. Yeah, an emerald ring. We didn't know it was an emerald until two days later when it started to turn green. <laughs> You remember the first time I wanted to kiss? Uh-huh, and I told you to ask my father. Yeah, but I didn't want to kiss him. <laughs> you know, Opie, I can just close my eyes and see you in Mrs. Vanderpeister's ballroom right now. There's a hush that falls over the audience. As Obie Cates, his clarinet, and orchestra start to play. Caldonia! <laughs>
What makes your big head so hard? and David have gone over to Mrs. Vanderpiker's house. Gosh, I hope she'll let them cater her affair. Well, Parky, here we are at the Vanderpiker mansion. Isn't it a huge place? Yeah. They say that in this house they've got 50 all-tile bathrooms. Oh, that's my ambition, David. Someday to have a real tile bathtub. You know, I'm getting too big to stand up in the sink. <laughs> best behavior. You're about to meet the snootiest woman in town. Let's go in. I'll ring the bell. Okay. Oh, we've been expecting you. You have? Yes, the garbage hasn't been collected in over two weeks. <laughs> is he alive? <laughs> Quiet, Parky. This is the butler. Butler? Yes, the generations of my family have been butlers. From babyhood, I was trained to Bottle. I see. It must have been a bottle, baby. <laughs> Mrs. Vanderpeist is expecting us. I phoned her. Uh, whom should I say is calling? Mr. Street and Mr. Parker Caucus. Oh, good heavens. I could never announce such vulgar names. <laughs> Street and Parker Caucus. Uh, Mr. Street, we shall have to change your name to Bullivar. And Mr. Parker Caucus, we shall have to call you Rest Your Body. <laughs> Rest your body? Yes. I should go and tell Mrs. Van der Peister that you are here. Do you have cards? Cards? No, but I got a pair of dice if she wants to shoot a little crap. <laughs> go. Okay, I'm coming. Uh, you, <laughs> you wait here and I shall announce you. Yeah. Parky, please watch how you act and be careful of what you say. These people live in a different world. You're mixing with the upper set now. Yeah. Careful, here comes Mrs. Van der Peister. Oh, are you the man who telephoned? Yes, Mrs. Vanderpeister. May I present myself? I'm David Street, and this is Mr. Parky Cocker. I'm practically glad to know you. <laughs> we wanted to talk to you about catering your big party. You see, Mr. Parky Carcass has been a successful restaurant owner here for over a decade. Over a decade? Why, it's longer than that, David. It's almost a fortnight. <laughs> well, of course, you're aware of the fact that my party will be the outstanding social event of the season. Even royalty will attend. Why, I have an acceptance from Prince Eric. You know, he's half bourbon. Half bourbon? What's the other half? Ginger ale? <laughs> Ginger ale? I've never met anyone quite like you. Now tell me, do you have any plans for my party? I want it to be a most outstanding affair. I'd like to do something different. Well, here's an idea. How'd you like to have a big buffet supper? Buffet? Yes. Oh, you probably mean buffet. The tea is always silent. Not the way I drink it. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange person. Now, let me see. You say your name is, uh, Parky Carcoach? Parky Carcoach? <laughs> Boy, have you got the wrong emphasis. <laughs> it's Parky Carcoach. You can just call me Parky. That's my maiden name. 
your maiden name. Yes. Well, it doesn't seem to me that you'd be capable of catering my affair. Now, what about references? Oh, you don't got to give me no references. I'll trust you. You'll trust me. I'll have you understand that my family have been leaders in society for generations. My ancestors all married stackpoles. Married stackpoles? That's funny. All mine married women. <laughs> oh, that party is a great joker, Mrs. Vanderpeister. Well, I don't want any jokers around here. My party is a very serious affair. Uh, Mr. Uh, Tarky, yes. do you understand the proper seating arrangement of people? Well, I should. I've been sitting for years. <laughs> no. What I mean is this. For example, I, of course, would sit at the head of the table. Now, what would you do for a genealogical kinfolk once removed? Are you mind to reiterate that last statement? <laughs> I said, what would you do for a genealogical kinfolk once removed? Oh, I bathe my feet in hot water. <laughs> that does it. Why, if I let you handle my affair, I'd be the laughing stock of the town. Oh, Mrs. Vanderpeister, we can handle this affair. Really, we can. We've got great plans for you. Not only will we prepare a delicious dinner, but we're going to have O.P. Cates and his orchestra and two wonderful singers, Miss Betty Rhodes and that great Italian opera singer, Davido Stridiano. Stridiano, an opera singer? Why, I never heard of him. Is he with the Metropolitan? Not only is he he's with the Metropolitan, but uh, he's also with the Equitable and the Prudential. <laughs> well, um, I was thinking. I was thinking we might get that thin man who sings on the radio, um, uh, 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 Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra? <laughs> That's as bad as Pakikakos. Say, David, you can give a good invitation how that Tritiana guy sings. Why don't you give a sample to Mrs. Van der Pipe? Van der Pipe? David, you know, sing that song that I like so much. What is it called? Oh, yes. When you was eight and I was nine and we were 17. Oh, do you sing too, Mr. Street? If you do, I'd love to hear my favorite. It's a song called Love. This would never happen again in a thousand years. By a strange coincidence, I happen to have the music in my hand. Oh, how wonderful. Will you sing it for me? Love can be a moment's madness. Love can be insane. Love can be a life of sadness and pain. Love can be a summer shower, love can be the sun, love can be two hearts that flower as one, it can be fine and free, but it's true, it doesn't always happen to you. A dying ember, love can be a flame, love spreads in September, may be dead in December, you may not even remember it came. Oh, love can be a joy forever, or an empty name, love is almost never ever. For failure, love can bring you fame. Love flashes the morning, may be wild when it's morning. Then, without any warning, it pains. Oh, love, the tie that's hard to sever, or a losing game. Love is almost never ever. Miss Vanderpeister, if you let us put on your party, I'll even throw in some extra entertainment. 
Besides this thing. Good. Uh, last Tuesday, I was at the Parisian nightclub, and I saw Madame Fifi, uh, the famous fan dancer. Do you think you could get her to perform at my party? Mrs. Vanderpuist, I'm ashamed of you. Wanting to have a fan dancer at your party. You should be ashamed of yourself. Shem, shem, shem. <laughs> I seen that Madame Fifi in that nightclub doing a fan dance when she came out on the floor. It was the most disgusting thing that I've ever seen. The way the people there, the way they would push and shove, stand on each other's shoulders, just to get a look. I got so mad, I finally hit a guy over the head with my field glasses. <laughs> well, Mr. Uh, Mr. Clarkie, before I say definitely that you may cater my affair, I shall have to visit your restaurant next week to see for myself whether I can entrust this important party to you. Okay, Toots, next week you come over to the restaurant, and we'll take care of you. <laughs> For the further adventures of Parker Carcass, Opie Cates and his orchestra, David Street, Betty Rhodes, and Mrs. Vanderpeister, played by Natalie Schaefer, tune in again next Sunday, same time, same station. Is it a date? Okay, meet me at Parker. Bob Williams saying goodbye. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for 